How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the One Stop Podcast. We had a great NBA Finals game one last night, and we're going to talk about it and get right into it. So right away, the Suns took game one on the Milwaukee Bucks. And, what, Michael, what are your initial thoughts on this game? I mean, just right off the bat, the Suns look really good. They look – I I – I've been saying it for a while, but they look like a team that's hard to beat four times. And, I mean, that's how you win a series. So, I think they, they're good in that category. But all the players on the Suns, they all did – they know their role. They all did what they had to do. I mean, the Phoenix Arena was bumping. It's nice to see all the fans back. Suns looked good. That's pretty much it. So, honestly, yeah, the Suns looked good. They looked, they looked like the better team out there. They looked like they were more – they were more comfortable in the situation rather than the Milwaukee Bucks, in my opinion. But yep. we're going to go right into it. The Suns' backcourt led the way. Devin Booker, 27 points, two rebounds, six assists. Although it was a struggle shooting, he was eight for 21 from the field, one of eight from three. With those 10, 10 to 10 from the free throw line, came up big. What do you think about Devin Booker in his first NBA Finals? I mean, I think... I think it's not a surprise that he struggled because it's, it's, I mean, it's a much bigger stage. He's going to want to take on some of the load because he's like, he's the best offensive player on the Suns. But I think it's really encouraging for the Suns that he shot so poorly and he was still able to find other ways to like impact the game, to still score, hit three steals. So, I mean, he's kind of just showing that he's like an all around player now. He's not just a shooter, not just a scorer. I mean, eight for 21, that's a pretty terrible – I mean, if if he had less points, it would have been a pretty terrible, like, debut performance in the finals. But 10 out of 10 from the free throw line, he, he played great still. Right, right. Yeah, Devin Booker. Well, I forgot who said this. I forgot. I, I heard it the other day. But I'd rather have a player overshoot than undershoot because if they undershoot, it means that they're they're uh, they're nervous, they're complacent, they're scared. Whereas Devin, well, Devin Booker, we we know him as the gunslinger, the mini Mamba, the the next Kobe Bryant. I'm not sure about that yet because he's still too young in his career. My boy Kobe, he won three rings by this time. Did very Devin Booker's first trip to the finals, but. I was impressed what I saw. He was aggressive. He got to his spots. He just couldn't make his shots. And like you like you said, the 10 to 10 free throws. He wasn't he couldn't find his shot going, but he was finding other ways to be effective on the court. Six assists, so you he saw you could see he was being a playmaker, getting uh getting around to his teammates, get open shots. The three steals, like Devin Booker isn't really known as a defensive player. He's really known generally for his offensive game. So to see him get those three steals. It was it was kind of a benefit to the Suns in a, in the in the sense that he did he did he did it on both sides of the floor rather than just one that one he usually does. Let's also go to Chris Paul, first NBA Finals in his 16th NBA season. The man had 32 points, four rebounds, nine assists on 12 and 19 shooting, four seven from the field, and four four from the free throw line. What do you think about that? What do you think about that it's Chris Paul in his first NBA finals. I mean, I, there's not much to say. He just he did it. I mean, it, it's as since since none of us are Suns or Bucks fans, like as a neutral, it's great to see Chris Paul there because like 
you can't really hate Chris Paul. So it's just nice to see him after so long be in the finals. And then once he gets there to actually have like, like not a career night, but like a really good night. It's just, it's just nice as a basketball fan, but I mean, he's still showing he's, he's still got it. He's still like next year. He's, I mean, he's getting older, but he's still going to be like a sought after person next year. Yeah, it wasn't a career night, but I think it was one of the one of his career games for sure. Yeah. For sure, one of his career games. First time in the finals. I'm pretty sure he he made phone calls to Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, who've been there multiple times, and asked them for advice. That I'm that I'm not 100 certain, but I'm uh, I have a feeling he did because they are friends, they are close like that. So he would ask his friends like, "How how was it? How was your first experience? Like, what do I what should I expect and stuff like that." But the thing that popped out to me with Chris Paul's performance is scoreless in the first quarter, had that second quarter, came out in the second quarter pretty hot, but it was a third quarter where he had, I want to say, 17 points. He had more than, I know he had 15 plus in the third quarter. That's where he erupted. And that's where the Suns, gener- that, in the game, that's where the Suns kind of broke away and they had that 20 point lead for the majority of the game because they went into the halftime with the eight point lead. And then after the third quarter started, that's when, they actually like that's when they they took off, and Chris Paul, as we know, is the 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 captain, the leader of that team. He where how how well Chris Paul plays, I want to say is how well the Suns play. For Chris sure, Chris Paul not, not assist perfect, can't complain about that. One steal, can't complain. We all know Chris Paul is a great on ball defender and off ball defender. Pesky loves to irritate defenses, loves to get into the skin. The mid-range magic. The sun, uh, it's it's like, are we really surprised about this with Chris Paul? Yeah, that's the thing. Because we're, I mean, we're not really. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't think we are. That's what we, I, mean, I guess some like people are. But I, I like him. Yeah, the only thing, thing is, me, oh here, <laughs> you go, Jesse. Oh man, go go for it, go for it. So the only thing for me, because I like to like I, I like to watch the highlights also after the game, like to kind of just see it all again. And the thing, this is more of just like a thing that the Suns did, but they did like they got the switch for Chris Paul every time, where it was either Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, one of the big guys on him. And the, I mean, of course, Chris Paul knows exactly how to take advantage of it. So like when I'm watching the highlights. It starts. It doesn't start at the beginning of the shot clock each play, but every time it started with Bobby Portis on Chris Paul, and you. I mean, we're going to talk about adjustments later, but Chris Paul tore up the the Bucks big guys, so they're going to have to change something, or he's going to have more big games like this. Damn, why did I miss it up? You there, Jesse? I think we're having some technical difficulties. Uh, yeah, I expect Chris Paul to have another big game. I expect him to be like a front runner for MVP for sure. I think. I think Chris. I think this is the MVP award for them for the final is his to lose. It's because. He has the most experience, NBA experience out of all the, out of everyone in this, in this, uh, on the floor. So hopefully 
he gets it. But another name I want to bring up is DeAndre Ayton. The, the big man, the, the Phoenix Suns big man, I want to say had his best game of his career. First time in the finals, 22 points, 19 rebounds, 8 of 10 from the field, 6 of 6 from the free throw line. What more can you want from your center? Nothing. I mean, you could you could want a 2020, I suppose. <laughs> one, one, one rebound short. But he, he, I mean, he's proving why he was taken as the first pick. I mean, I know you can't say really he's better than Luca and Trey, but he's a perfect fit for the Suns. So it, it, it was a perfect pick for them. But the thing that surprised, or not surprised me, but that I was most impressed with is most of the game he guarded Giannis. And I know that's usually on the center because Giannis doesn't shoot, so they kind of just stay in the paint. But he, I mean, Giannis had a good game. But DeAndre Aiden was effective against him, and that's not really something you expect out of him. You don't expect him with, like, the quick feet, the quick hands to stay in front of someone like Giannis. So along with the amazing 22 and 19, he guarded the best player on the other team. So it was just – I think it was his best game of his career considering the situation. Exactly. It's like we're, we're, we're seeing a superstar grow right before our eyes. Like that, that big three of the Suns is – they're they're all superstars. They're all superstars, mm-hmm. in my opinion. From game one of the first round against the Lakers, DeAndre Ayton was on a mission. He's been a man on a mission, and I give the people I give credit to Devin Booker and I give credit to Chris Paul for this because in the post game conference and the post game press conference, I saw that Devin Booker. They asked Devin Booker on DeAndre Ayton in the, his twenty two and nineteen game. He said that up. Uh, they would bully him. They would bully him. They would get on him. Try to bring the best out of him. If Chris Paul was done getting on him, Devin Booker would get on him right after, just pushing him because they know the potential he has. And look at him playing now. Because before DeAndre Ayton wasn't a household name that we knew. We knew him as a number one pick, but we always wondered like, when is he going to come to his own? Like, is he is he going to come to his own? Because the ball isn't going to generally come to him due to uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker always having the ball in their hands, especially as guards. So I'm glad to see the growth. Like you said, he's showing right now why he's the number one pick over Luka and Trey Young because that's no knock on them. But just from a fit perspective on what they on what the Phoenix Suns needed at the time, man, DeAndre Ian was, was the guy. And, and let's go back to that class one more time. Where's Marvin Bagley at? What happened not, to Marvin Bagley? Not doing well. That guy needs to re, needs to re- resurrect his career. He needs a fresh start somewhere. But we're gonna get off that. That's that's another topic for another day. <laughs> but big ups to DeAndre Ayton. He's been doing it all playoff long. And the number one thing that I've been loving to see is his efficiency. Yeah, dude went eight to ten last night, like. And he's been doing this like the whole entire playoffs. He's been like he's been like sixty to seventy percent for a majority of the games. I know against the Lakers, he went to work with those little hook shots, the little mid ranges, those dump off passes, the putbacks, offensive rebounds. Like I, I I've seen it firsthand the growth and to him for him doing it against Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond, even though Anthony Davis was hurt. 
it's just I'm glad to see it. I'm glad to see fresh blood doing their just taking over. Yeah, for sure. Let's go to the cam attack now. So Cameron Johnson and Cameron Payne both scored 10 points off the bench. Cameron Johnson was two or four from the from three-point line, and Cameron Payne was two or five from the three-point line. They, they these two are just something else. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think it is? What do you think it has to be between these two? I don't know. I mean, just just the eye test on them. They're like complete opposite shooters because Cam Johnson has I think him and Clay Thompson have the best form in the league. And then campaign may be up there with the worst form. But I mean that does I mean it doesn't matter when it goes in, but they're doing exactly what the bench needs because they they have a great starting lineup that has a little bit of everything, but they just need some some something to get them going when the bench comes in. And campaign and Cam Johnson do it. Cam Johnson is good at defense also. He had two steals. Campaign is pretty solid at running the point now. I mean, I think playing under Chris Paul for a year has taught him some things. So I think, I mean, he could start on some teams for sure now. But Jay Crowder struggled 0 for 8 from the field, only one point. So they needed these two guys to pull the cams to pull up, and they did. And I I believe Dario Sarge got hurt also, right? Yeah, I think he just yeah. had to have his legs. So that's why we saw Frank Kaminsky. Yeah. So, I mean, it looks like Cam Johnson and Campaign are the two biggest off the bench with Torrey Craig, too. So the the Cams are going to continue out of big games, I, I predict. Yeah. My biggest takeaway from Cameron Johnson was he wasn't afraid to guard Giannis because he had some point, he had some uh, possession where he was on Giannis on the defensive end. And, he did not show any fear at all. Look, usually, when you see a two-time MVP right in front of you, like that, you, that strikes fear. It's like, oh man, I, I have to guard up. But with, when Giannis was on, when he was on Giannis, he didn't show any of that. He didn't back down at all. Like there was a possession, I want to say, in the fourth quarter where Giannis posted up on him, and he, he stole it from he stole it from him when Giannis tried to like drop, not drive in, but yeah, he did drive in, but. He he's like sped up, go to the basket, and Cameron Johnson is like he fouled him, but he blocked, but he also blocked the ball, and he. Th- I think that's gonna be a problem for Milwaukee. The fact that they're not afraid of Giannis, especially when especially when it's the others who aren't afraid of Giannis. Yeah, that's that's gonna be difficult to get past. Dude can well, man, Cameron Johnson. Lights out shooter. I mean, we've been known this. If you've been following him since uh, North North Carolina days, he's been a knockdown shooter since college days. Uh, it's just a testament to his hard work, dedication, and I'm glad to see. Like I said, like I said with DeAndre, and I love seeing fresh blood do great things. And this guy has been doing things this whole playoff run. Cameron Payne, that's a great NBA story right there. Went from there. <laughs> OKC dancing partner to Russ didn't really play that much, but it was a dancing. No, but generally known for his dancing before pregame, to getting kicked out of the league, playing overseas, being told second practice. I don't know if he could play in this league. To come back to the league under Monty Williams and have this type of season, 
you can't get any better than this. And now translating that into the NBA Finals, man, 10 points in, 10, in uh, 17 minutes, that's pretty efficient. That's going to help. And like we said earlier, he learned, like how you said earlier, he learned a lot under Chris Paul. Even though both of their games are completely different at, at this stage of their careers, Cameron Payne is that second gear guy where Chris Paul is that let me control the pace, let me slow it down for us. Cameron Payne is nah, let me speed it up. Give me the ball, let me go in the open court. I'm gonna drive in, I'm gonna pull up, I'm gonna pass it out. And if, if you can't leave him open too, even though he has that funky left handed shot, it goes in like a lot. It goes in a lot. So that's someone you gotta keep an eye on. I'm glad to see both of these keep both these dudes keep playing. And uh, I like how you pointed out the Dario Saric. Let's go into that. Let's dive into the Dario Saric injury. Like, how do you think that's gonna play for the rest of this series if he's not able to come back? I mean, it's gonna be because he wasn't used like an insane amount, but he was a he was one of their big bench guys. He was it was kind of a big three, I think, with campaign Cam Johnson and Dario Saric. I feel like those three were the three bench guys. So I think Tory Craig is probably going to play a lot more. And then I think Aiton will probably just play more because he's not going to have someone to take him out as much, which, I mean, it's, it's I think Aiton can handle it, honestly. I mean, he, like you said, he's pretty much, I think we have to put him in the superstar category now, or at least after the finals if he keeps playing like this. So, I mean, there could be tired legs on the Sun side with the injury. I don't know how bad it is. I don't know if he's like, out for the series or what but i don't think it's going to be like a turning point hopefully not because sarge was a weapon that they could use because he he can't stretch the floor he is able to get down in the post here and there and he can't guard his opposing bigs even though he does he does lack some size and toughness and strength he does he did guard like opposing bigs and you could say that he was their backup center yeah Honestly, you can't say that he was a backup center. So I want to see how that's how that's gonna play out. Cause we saw Frank Kaminsky come in, but he only played four minutes. They didn't get a shot up. So that's probably so that's something Monty Williams didn't didn't probably like to see. How many point the uh, AN had 39 minutes, so maybe he wraps it up a little bit, depend I think depending on how the game goes, because that backup center position is gonna be vital, it's gonna be crucial. Like I think sometime in this series. Yeah. It's it's definitely gonna play a part, but I don't think it'll be like the the downfall of the Suns. I think they're too good otherwise. Yeah. They're way too good, especially that front court. Mm-hmm. Way too good. Another name I want to mention is Mikel Bridges. He's Great. just solid. He's Dude. just solid. Every if you just look around this whole team, they're just so completely balanced. Like yeah. I love how everyone knows their roles. No one steps on each other's toes. No one tries to do too much in this situation. They just, they play basketball. They play basketball. And that's the, I think that's going to be the difference between these. That's I think that's the difference between these two teams. We see the Bucks where they're kind of forcing it with Giannis. Whereas when they didn't have Giannis, they, they played basketball. Whereas now they have Giannis, it's more like we got to feed him. We got to get him going in order for us to get going. So I don't know. I'm not sure how it's going to go out. But speaking of Giannis, 
his knee game time decision last minute go ahead looked fine to me his knee looked fine to me looked yeah. better actually looked like his mvp self right there not saying his production wise but running wise and be able to cut wise dude look fine i mean i think it, just from watching for us it looked definitely it definitely looked fine he only did get up 11 shots though which is unlike Giannis, I mean, maybe maybe the moment got to him, maybe the finals got to him. He still went 20 and 17, four assists, two steals. But I don't know. There's just something about, like, the Bucks. Like you were saying, they just don't look like they can beat the Suns, I feel like. with Because with, without Giannis, it did look like they were just like a team. And it's like the Suns now, they're showing that you can win without having a super team. Like, they didn't bring in any, like, big all-stars. I mean, they brought Chris Paul, but they didn't, like, trade all their draft picks for him and do all this stuff, bring in three all-stars. They just, oh, you need a 3 and D guy? We have Mikhail Bridges already. You need another 3 and D guy? We got Jay Crowder. Like, they just have everything ready. The Bucks, I mean, they, they don't – I wouldn't say they have a super team either, but they're, I think their big three is getting outclassed by the Suns, at least in game one. They're definitely going to need to make some adjustments. I think Giannis is going to, which may be an Achilles heel of the Bucks. He might have to be more aggressive. He needs to get up more than 11 shots if he's the best player. But it just look, they just look weird to me. Are we giving them the pass for game one after coming back from a knee? knee I think so. Like I think because he didn't shoot badly. He, only, he shot six for 11. It's not like. It's not like he went out there and forced everything and shot like six for 25. Like he was six for 11. He still had 20 points, still had 17 rebounds. Like he was still, you still want him on the floor, but he's going to have to do more. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I agree with you. 20 points, 17. The 17 rebounds is, you gotta, I got to give my, I got to give my props to that. <laughs> You know that's what he's supposed to be doing. Anytime you see seventeen rebounds, that's just that's just amazing. The knee looked fine to me. He was doing his euro steps off of it. He looked good in the pregame. So, was I surprised that he played? I was because uh, I could just see like the vivid memory of watching that knee just go go uh, go in. I'm like, yeah. one of those ones that looked worse than it actually was, I guess, because it looked it looked bad. It looked really bad. It looked like he actually tore something, but yeah, he didn't. I'm surprised he didn't. 35 minutes. I before the game even started, I thought he was gonna play at least 20 or 25, and it looked like that because they took him out. Like I want to say, like in four minutes, the first four after the first four minutes, and they brought him in again. I was like, I guess he's playing a lot, but six of 11 uh, from the free from the field. It's not bad, but it's also not great. Yeah, I expect him to shoot way more than that, especially for who he is. I want to see more of that first quarter Giannis because first quarter Giannis was was a monster. That's I think he had like he had ten points in the first quarter, so half of his points came in the first quarter alone. Yeah. So I loved when I when he lowered his shoulder on Jay Crowder, went for the dunk. I loved when he went for the drive, went for the dunk. He just showed his strength. He showed. He showed his manpower that, and I don't think anyone on the Suns team can guard him. Honestly, if we're being honest, if it's a one-on-one situation, 
yeah. just because of that whole length and be and being able to get to his spot, not not shooting wise, but more as using his strength to get to his spot or his agility or his his length. Uh, free throws, seven or twelve. Are we buying that? I don't know. The Phoenix Stadium was loud. They were counting loud. I I don't know if it really matters if we buy it. It's just as long as he's making over like – I mean, that's still not good. That's still not good. But half of them, like – it's got to be more than half, though. Like, I just uh, – my opinion on it, he just needs to learn how to, like, shoot, like, 75%, 70%. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he has to. He has. He'd be so so much more unstoppable because they wouldn't be af- they'd be afraid to foul him. Then I feel like now they're like, uh oh, he's he might score on me. Let me just pull his arm down. So then he has to go earn the two points. Hope they might b- bust like a hack of Giannis. But the thing is, like, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a bad shot. He doesn't yeah, have a but, bad form. Yeah. I don't like. It actually looks really it's, good. It's mental for sure. Yeah. It's something with his routine. He's taking too long, I think. Like, I get having the same routine, but it, it, it shouldn't be pushing 10 seconds. It should be, like, three or four seconds. It's way too long. Exactly. I think the league's going to do something in the offseason about that because he's getting away with it way too much. But yeah. also, the freaking crowd, when they're counting, they're counting way too fast. <laughs> I love it. Second goes. I love it. So they get to like sixteen or fifteen. I'm like, damn, like one, two, three, four, five, seven. Like, relax. That's not how. It's not how second goes. But I'm giving the pass to Giannis. I think he saw what they, what the, uh, what the, what the Suns defense is going to do on him. How they're going to play him. And I think I give the testament to Jay Crowder because Jay Crowder was on the team last year that stopped him. So I know Mm -hmm. for sure he's giving the his teammates pointers on what to do where to be there's one specific play that i do remember that i want to that i want to touch on i want to say it was in the second quarter where Giannis was on the post against chris against against uh, chris paul and they went into a zone yeah whereas they, where they left like the extra man in the middle kind of like but kind of like a help side just in case for the drive and also the in the top guard and the free throw line was right there so there was a trap at because Giannis was in the corner, so there's a trap right there from the top. There's a trap right there from the bottom if he were to drive. So I can see the little, little tactics that this, the Phoenix is trying to do with him, especially when the ball is slowed down. Because I think Giannis, for Giannis to be the ultimate, ultimately, ultimately effective, it has to be like young LeBron in the fast break, whereas he didn't have that shot yet, he didn't have that fadeaway, he didn't have that post move yet. Yeah. So if he slows the ball down, I think a Cameron Payne would be perfect with the Giannis. Yeah, to keep it moving and just get it going fast. Exactly. So we're talking about the other Bucks star, Drew Holiday. Near triple double, but struggling shooting the entire night. Had Drew Holiday had 10 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists on 4-14 from the field and 0-4 of the, from the 3-point line, 2-2 two two from the free throw. I mean, uh, from the 3-point line, 0-4 from the 3-point line and 2-2 two two from the free throw line. It's not enough. No, definitely not. 
I don't even like like I know he's near a triple double, but I don't even like saying it when you're ten, seven, and nine. Like, come on, like it, it, that's like the bare minimum to get that. But I mean, there's definitely going to be an adjustment period for him because he's going to have to. I think they they had him on Booker, right, and PJ Tucker on Chris Paul for the majority of it. That they had a uh, that holiday on Chris Paul. Okay. And Middleton was on Booker. Who did PJ Tucker guard? Crowder. Oh, I think they're going to mix some stuff up. I think PJ Tucker is going to have to guard one of those two just to kind of make it tough. I think, but I mean, Drew Holiday, this is kind of what we've seen the whole playoffs. Like he had a bunch of mediocre games and then one like 30 point game. So if history repeats itself, two game two or three, it's going to be Drew Holiday's game. But other than that, I'm. It's it's sad to say, but I'm not surprised by this game really. Forty point, and I had forty minute. In forty minutes, he put up that stat line. I mean, rebound, rebounding, seven rebounds and nine assists. I can't complain about that. Yeah. I think it's the and it's not a lack of aggressiveness either from him because fourteen attempts is fourteen attempts, but also. Only two free, th- only one trip to the free throw line. That's not enough. That's not good enough. And we're gonna get into that later because I, because I want to say there were some calls that weren't called that Phoenix got got to. Mm-hmm. But we're we're gonna go into that later, later down the show. But ten points simply not enough. And I don't know why, but Drew Holiday seems to be that that Kevin Love on the team that thir- that. He, even though he generally is the third star on the team because he's the last one to get there, I don't think he should be the third star. I think he needs to be – I think he needs to be the number one option. Not in the sense that – not in the sense that he needs to take and make every shot, but in the sense that it needs to – often needs to run through him where he gets everyone involved. Well, or he needs to be like the true point guard where he brings down the ball, sets up the offense, get everything together. Because from what I've seen, he does that, do that in certain instances, but generally he's just seeing the catch and shoot player or they'll kick it out to him if they can't get their own shot out. Yeah. So I think I need to see that. I need to see Drew Holiday just not be so mindful or be so quiet. I need to see more fire in him. That I mean, you got out, you wanted out of New Orleans even though he never said anything, you know he wanted out for New Orleans ever since Anthony Davis left. He he wanted to be on a winning team. I mean, you're on your you're on a winning team now. You're in the NBA Finals. Yeah, you got what you wanted. Now it's time for you to put the things together and just you got to play basketball now. You got to show why you wanted to be here, why they traded for you. So hopefully he, they do get this done. Hopefully he does show up in game two. I have high expectations for him game two for, to have a come, a great comeback game because Drew Holiday, when, it, when he has had a bad game, he has shown that he can't have a bounce back game as well. For sure. So hopefully, Drew, I hope you're watching this because that doesn't mean we're getting something. <laughs> <laughs> but I have faith in you, buddy. Hopefully you can can't come through game two. Let's go for the other Bucks all-star. Chris Middleton, 
45 minutes played. So that's only four minutes of rest or three minutes of rest. Dang. 29 points, seven rebounds, four assists on 12 of 26 shooting, five of 12 from the field, no free throws. What, that, do you th- what, do you, what do you think? Well, the no free throws, I don't, I don't think is that rare. I feel like Chris Middleton's not really a, a get fouled guy. He's kind of just like a slasher scorer, mid range, three point range. But I mean, this is what he needs to do. He has to do, that, especially when Giannis and Drew Holiday aren't performing well. But I mean, he didn't have like the greatest shooting night. He didn't have a bad shooting night. Twelve of twenty-six. It's not terrible. You sh- it's high volume, but you did make almost fifty percent. The four assists. I think he needs to get if he's going to have the ball that much, especially because Giannis didn't play as much, played 10 less minutes. So it was kind of Chris Middleton running the show. He's going to need to facilitate more and he's going to need to get up to like seven or eight assists. I think the five turnovers is again, not, it's not surprising because of the, the amount of times he had the ball, but it's also not good. But I mean, Chris Middleton has been, he struggles just like Drew Holiday. He's had bad games and good games. And this is the good game. So this is what you expect from Chris Middleton, and I expect it going forward. I don't expect him to have very many bad games because there's going to be so much focus on Giannis, and they are. I think the Suns are going to go into a zone a lot because that's what the Heat did too, and it worked. So Chris Middleton's going to have that chance to kind of break apart the zone, have open shots. So he should. I mean, he has all the all the tools to succeed. He does, honestly. I I wouldn't say it was a bad game for him, even though. When you look at the stat line, if you need 26 attempts to get 29 points, I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty bad in my opinion. Because yeah. the only reason why you're getting to that number is because the amount of like how many shots you put up. I mean, I've told so many people this, and especially in uh in leagues and pickup ball, when they say like, "Oh, look how many points I scored," well, I tell them, "How many shots did you put up? How efficient were you?" But I'm gonna say the same thing like I did with Booker. I'm not I'm not upset with the amount of shots he's taking because I'd rather have you overshoot than undershoot, and that's just a testament to pressure and how you handle it. So I'm happy to see that he's still shooting. He's not afraid of the, of the moment. And there's a moment in the third quarter where I thought he was gonna go on one of his runs like he's had, like he had against the Hawks, where he made like I want to say three straight baskets, two or threes, and one of them was a mid range shot. So. I agree with you also on the on the assist number. If you're going to have the ball in your hands for that amount of time, you can't always be looking for your own shot. You got to get other involved because that's how you open up the floor. That's how you make others dangerous. That's how you make that's how you make the other team respect you and respect your team and respect your and the other players because that that's a threat that they always have that uh, they have to be on top of. Lack of free throw shooting. I mean, I'm not disappointed on it as much because. Uh, I saw he was getting fouled, but the refs didn't call it on certain times. But did he flop a, a couple of times? Yeah, he did. But there were a couple of plays where Devin Booker did the exact thing where he would drive in and get hit or he would create contact and they would call the foul for Devin Booker. And Middleton didn't get it. They get the same call. So I got to get a shout out to Meyer. He, he even said it that it was a home team at home field advantage or home field bias. And I think that yeah. does play a part, especially in the playoffs, especially in the finals game one, 
but it's I mean it's, the entire season has been like a lack of have like, been a lack of proper refereeing if we could yeah. if keep, for keeping it a buck. The refs haven't been there entirely the entire entire season, so hopefully they clean it up because let me go to their the free throw. 26 free throws for the Suns compared to 16. Something about that just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. You know what my thing about uh, Chris Middleton not getting the calls, I feel like like when we talked a couple weeks ago about when Jokic got ejected, it's like he's the MVP, but he doesn't get the same respect as LeBron or KD. I feel like Chris Middleton's now in that category where he's, he's an all-star, but he doesn't get the respect. Even if Devin Booker... Chris Middleton's a two-time All-Star. I'm pretty sure. Devin Booker's only a one-time, so I feel like by default. Yeah, Devin Booker's just like a bigger name, and you just hear about him more. And of course, Chris Paul is like the most. He has the most like merit on in the in this series, so he's going to get calls going his way. But it's like that's what I think plays a part in it. Like you see Devin Booker flop, the refs are going to call it. You see Chris Middleton flop, they're like, "Come on, Chris, get up." I think that just has to be a testament because of his play style. Because Chris Milton, to a basketball enthusiast, I love his game. Like yeah. it's so smooth, it's so technical, so it's fundamental, but it's not exciting. Like to the casual fan, it's not exciting because they just pull up jump shots. He's not like dunking the ball. He's not doing like crazy crossovers. It's just jump shots. Just getting to his spot. And I think that plays a factor. Just how you said, it's not he's not, it's not he's not winning the popularity contest by any stretch compared to Chris Paul or Devin Booker. Yep. But I think his game is up there with them. For sure, I would I would agree. I don't know, man. It's just I hate to see when one player who does the same thing get a call, and the next player does the same exact thing and he doesn't get the call. That's that's I, a tough because that's how it that's how it always has been though. Like there's always that. I mean, I don't want to bag on Kobe because he's your guy, but that that always happened with Kobe too. Like he would get the calls. I mean, Jordan would get the calls, of course. LeBron gets the calls. It, it, I mean, it always happened, which is unfortunate. I mean, you don't want to see it, but like yeah, as a, as a longtime NBA fan, we're all used to it. Yeah, we're used to it, but we hate to see it. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to wrap this up with our last segment, adjustments the Bucks need to make. What do you think? I think there's a few, but first, I kind of touched on it with Chris Paul. I think they need to do something with the pick and rolls. I don't think they can switch everyone because it looked like they were switching all of them. You'd always see Portis or Lopez on Paul. And there's sometimes you can get away with switching a big onto a point guard, but you cannot with Chris Paul. He's just too smart. He'll either... He can just take the big man anywhere, take him to a spot, do this little fadeaway. And it there was like, I think there was two or three in a row where he it happened. He got switched. Brooke Lopez came on. And then Chris Paul got to the elbow, did his fadeaway, and it did like the shooter's roll both times. But I mean, th- that's the biggest thing, I think. They gotta they either have to trap him or just get over the screen. Cause he he doesn't do as many screen and sh- or pick and pops. He doesn't do very many of those where he just comes off the screen and shoots the three. So I think they can afford to go under it a couple times, especially if Holiday's guarding. Holiday's fast enough to get around it, or he should be. So that's that's my biggest thing. It fix the pick and roll. 
I kind of touched on my adjustment earlier. I want to see, I want to see the ball in Drew Holiday's hand. I think he need. I think because to me, Drew Holiday is a. He's not. I mean, he he is because we saw him do it against the against the Hawks, where he can get his own shot. But I think Drew Hall, Drew Holiday. I don't think I know Drew Holiday is a is a rhythm player. He needs to get in the rhythm. He's not like one of those. Oh, I can just get I can just get it going like that. He's not he's not a microwave like that. So I I want to see the ball in his hands more. Chris, it's funny because Chris Middleton is is the microwave on that team. Yep. Chris Middleton is the one who, if he get, they can get hot like that. So I want to see where, I want to see where, uh, where Drew Holiday just has the ball, initiates offense, get a rhythm going. Because once you see the basket go, once you see the ball on the basket a couple of times, that just changes your confidence, that ups your confidence, changes your mentality, your attacking. Because if your if your shot's not going in, you're generally still shooting the ball. You're not gonna want to attack more. So, so hopefully, if uh, Drew Drew actually does have the ball in his hands and goes in, and just be be aggressive, just be assertive, like show them why they got you here, why you want to leave, why you want to leave New Orleans, why you're an All Star, why you got that big max deal in the season, the beginning of the season, because right now it's just yeah, you, it, I'm I'm glad that what you, you did to get here to this point because you had to have a big game in this playoffs, but we're putting that all aside now. Like, we're in the finals. Like you're where everyone wants to be at. So hopefully, I want to see Drew Holiday just ball out next game. Just be that guy. Be that. Take over the number one position, and I think Giannis, he doesn't seem like the guy to be. Uh, I think he's a team guy. I think he needs to get it going as well because he's not a rhythm because he's a rhythm player too. But to the benefit of the team, I think he has to play off off of Drew Holiday. I think the whole team needs to play off Drew Holiday. So hopefully Boonholzer makes the adjustments because we know Boonholzer not the greatest adjustment maker in this league. But yeah. hopefully, yeah. Any adjustments the Sun need to make, you think? I think it's just, just like personal adjustment. Devin Booker is just gonna, he's gonna play better, I imagine. But I think, I mean, they had a good game plan. They're gonna have to adjust a little bit without Sarich, like we talked about some rotation adjustments. I, I imagine probably Frank Kaminsky will play like seven minutes a game, five minutes, something like that, just to give Aiton some rest. But I mean, they played, they played a really good game all around. Yep. Kudos to Suns for taking game one. Well, we'll see you guys back on Friday following game two. Later.